Everybody said amen. amen. Open your Bibles as you are seated to Mark chapter 10. Mark the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at the 27th verse here in a moment. Glory to God. Say this with me a few times. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Praise God. Honey, can you put that on never if you would? In Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. Notice this with me. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible. There are things that are impossible with men. There are things that will always be impossible with men. Amen? But now notice, he didn't stop there. He said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. And the reason why that things are not impossible with God is because God is not a man. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and shall he not do it? Shall he not make good on the promises of God? I love that verse of scripture. With men, everything is impossible, but not with God. So never, ever exclude God from your circumstances. So never, ever dismiss him when you face seemingly impossible things and situations, but always include him and invite him and fellowship with him, with God. All things are possible. For with God, all things are possible. Well, someone says, well, that's great. I know that's true. With God, all things are possible. But just how does that happen? Just how does that help me? I'm just a man. Well, you're not just a man. You're a superman. Created in Christ Jesus. You're new creations. Part of a royal family. In the royal kingdom of God. So how... Does this help me? People will ask. Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark the ninth chapter. And we'll notice over here in verse 23. Mark 9, 23. How many believers are in the church this morning? Amen. I mean, you are born again. You are saved. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. All right? So that's all of us, right? In Mark 9, in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, and that is exactly what believers are designed to do. Believers are designed to believe. For God has placed His faith on the inside of us when we got born again. You have been dealt the measure of mountain-moving faith. You have been dealt the measure 
of faith that can remove the impossible and cast them into the sea. Oh, hallelujah. See, the scripture says whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, and as a believer, you can believe, and you must believe. If you can believe, all things, notice, all things, not some things, not three quarters of things, but all things are possible to who? All things. All things. All things. All things are possible to him. I'm going to preach to this section over here. All things are possible to him that believeth. Well, doctors may say we've done our best. There's nothing else we can do. Well, thank them. Tell them we appreciate their service. But we're not limited to what the doctors can or cannot do. So then it becomes a matter of shifting our attention off the impossibilities to the possibility, almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm sorry, you know, we, uh, we just aren't able to uh, have you here in your home any longer. You haven't paid your rent or you haven't paid your mortgage for a few months, so you're going to be evicted. We're going to have to foreclose. Uh, we, we've just done everything we can. We've given you the best opportunity we possibly can. Well, you know what? If your heart is right and in the right place and you're trusting God, it doesn't matter whether you get foreclosed or not. Because the God with whom no things are impossible is able not only to pay your mortgage off, but he is able, glory to God, to get you a new place. I thought I'd get a better shout than that. The problem is, is where our focus has been and where our attention has been. If we look to man as our source, we become limited to what man can do. Okay? If we look to medicine for what medicine is able to do, we become limited to medical science. Now, I'm not telling anybody to throw their medication away. You know I don't preach that. You know that's not where I'm at. But we need to make sure that our eyes are on Him, who is the source of all healing, who is the source of all provision, who is the source of all joy. Say it with me. With God, God, all things things are are possible. And I am a believer... And all things are possible to me. So I want to talk to you just a little while this morning on the subject of possibility praying. Possibility praying. Prayer is the strongest link between man and God. And possibility praying springs out of rich, 
close communion with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. So let's look and see what Jesus said about this. Look at John chapter 15 and notice with me in verses 1 through 7. John the 15th chapter. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it so that it may bring forth what kind of fruit? More More fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. That word abide in me simply means dwell in me, live in close communion with me, and I will live in close communion with you, and I will manifest myself to you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So it tells us the correlation between the branch and the vine must be connected together in close vital union. In verse 5, he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, mucho, mucho fruit. For without me, you can do nada. If a man... Abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. But let's read verse 7 right here. Ready, read. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, let's keep that verse up there. I want you to notice there are literally two conditions laid out that will cause you and me to have fruitful, productive prayer lives to where we are so connected with the God with whom there are no impossibilities so that that which seems impossible can become a reality in our lives. Two conditions. Number one, if you abide in me. And secondly, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now notice with me that the word you is used five times in that verse. This is talking about you. This is talking about your prayer life. This is talking about you getting hold of God. When you need an answered prayer. The condition is. Just live for me. Abide in me. And you shall. And let my word live in you. And you'll ask what you will. And it shall be done. Unto you. So what does this tell us? This tells us this morning. That it's not all up to God. Whether our prayers are answered or not. That we have a vital role to play in receiving prayers. We must meet the qualifications if we want to ask what we will and have it done. So I want to say this to you this morning. 
that possibility praying is always based on the Word of God. Say that with me. Possibility praying is always based on the Word of God. My spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagin, said this. He says, find a scripture that covers your case. Where is the scripture? What are you believing for? What scripture or scriptures are you standing on? When you find the scriptures that cover your case, your prayers then are on a solid foundation. Amen. For faith always has and always will begin where the will of God is known. I'm going to say that again. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So to receive from him, I must know and I must understand the will of God. Now notice with me in Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 17 and 18. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 17 Actually, we're going to look at it in just uh, the King James, and then we'll look at it in the Amplified, just verse 17. He says, wherefore, be ye not unwise. Why would he tell us to be not unwise? The mere fact that he tells us not to be unwise is that it's possible and potentially reality in a person's life that they're not operating in wisdom. So he says, be not unwise. But understanding what, what, what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of God and the word of God are synonymous. You will find God's will in God's word. God and his word are one. Now notice this in the Amplified Version. It says this. Therefore, do not be vague. Is it possible to be vague in our prayer life? Oh, Lord, you're the man upstairs. And Lord, oh, Jesus, 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 you know what I need. You know what I need. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's pretty vague, isn't it? That's not specific. That's not offering to God what he said in his word concerning our situation. Well, the Lord knows, Pastor Mark, and I just think that he just will answer my prayer regardless. No, you've got to come in alignment with his will. So he says here, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish. I believe this, that we ought to put some thought into our prayers before we pray. Maybe a better way to say it is I think we ought to meditate on the word of God and be convinced of the will of God before we pray and ask him for things. Amen. Amen? So it says, don't be vague. Don't, don't be thoughtless and foolish. But understand and firmly grasp What the will of the Lord is. We must know his will. Be convinced of his will. 
become fully persuaded of his will. Otherwise, we'll end up praying vague, thoughtless, and foolish prayers. The reason why many prayers are not answered is because they're not prayed in line with the word of God. Doubt and unbelief is not a kind of prayer. E.W. Kenyon said this, Prayer should be, looking, should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back to him. Amen. Amen. Find the scriptures. You know, they just recently opened up a new grocery store in our neighborhood by the name of Sprouts. And I went in there the other day. It was jam-packed. But if I walked up and down the aisle with my cart, kind of looking off into space for a couple hours, sooner or later, someone's going to come up to me and say, Sir, may I help you? Is there anything that you want? And if I just continue to walk down the aisle with my cart and say, Well, no, I'm not looking for anything in particular. Guess what? That's exactly what I would get. Nothing in particular. And a lot of people are spending time in their prayer life with their carts, just kind of looking off into space and just asking God, oh, God, do something, do something, do something. What is it that you desire? What is it that you want? Well, I don't know. Nothing in particular. That's exactly what people will get in their prayer lives. Nothing in particular. But that's not me. And I said, that's not you. So once we know the will of God, which is the word of God, then we are in position to pray according to the will of God. Now look at 1 John chapter 5 and notice with me in verse 14 and 15. 1 John the 5th chapter, the 14th and the 15th verse. Oh man, this is just loaded with revelation right here. First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And this is the confidence. Does God want you to be confident when you're praying? Yes. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, in God, or in Christ, in the God with whom nothing is impossible. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask Anything according to his what? We've already defined that his will and his word are one. So we could say it this way. If we ask anything according to his word, what does he do? He hears those who pray in alignment with his will. Now notice verse 15. It says this. And if we know that he hears us, the way that I know that he hears me is when I talk his language, when I pray his word. And if I know that he hears me, whatsoever I ask, I know, I know, I know, I know before I can see it, feel it. Taste it or touch it. I know that I have 
the petition that I've desired of him. Now look at this in the Amplified Version. And the reason why I'm teaching this is because I look at some of the prayer requests and I do pray for you and I do know how to get a hold of God and I do make your petitions known before God. But there's nothing like you praying the word of God for yourself. And I think in a congregation like this, for those of us that have been around 35 and 40 years, this is kind of second nature to us. But in reality, we have new people that really don't know how to pray. And then we have people that are just too lazy to pray. They would just soon someone else do all their praying for them. And that's not scriptural. God wants us to become spiritual adults and not stay spiritual babies our whole lives. Somebody says, are you rebuking us? No, I'm not rebuking you, but I'm lovingly telling you that God's got a higher way and a better way for you to pray rather than call up everyone and asking them to pray. How do you know that that person's going to pray according to the word of God? You've got to know, Shandahaya. You've got to know for yourself. You've got to be convinced for yourself. It's a matter, my brothers and sisters, of life and death in some situations. It's a matter of having food or not having food. It's a matter of having shelter or not having shelter. This is important stuff. That we know how to pray. We learn how to pray. And that we be confident that once we've prayed, that he hears us. Now notice in the Amplified Version. 1 John chapter 4, 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence. Then he goes on to define what that is. It's the assurance. It's the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure, not maybe so, that if we ask anything... Make any request according to his will. And I love how it says this. In agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. Read verse 15 with me if it's up there. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us, whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions, the requests made of him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Confidence, assurance, and boldness comes from knowing his will. And the word is his will. You see, uncertainty of the word of God causes people to pray outside the will of God and the word of God. Look at James chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 6 through 8. James, the first chapter, verses 6 through 8. Oh my goodness, is it that late already? Wow. It seems like I'm just getting started. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Notice with me in James chapter 1. Can there be anything good come out of the book of James? James, the first chapter, it says, but let him, and we'll add her, ask what? Let him ask in faith. How do I know whether I'm asking in faith or not? Faith begins where the will of God is known. 
So if I know the word of God and I ask according to the will of God, I'm asking in faith. I'm asking with expectancy. I'm asking with confidence. I'm asking with boldness. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Read verse 8 with me. A double-minded man is unstable. A double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? In all of his ways. So what James is telling us becomes single-minded. Develop a singleness of heart and a singleness of mind on the Word of God and the will of God. And when you pray, just know this, that the enemy is going to come to tempt you to waver. The enemy is going to come with his storms. He's going to come with his symptoms. He's going to come with his circumstances. But let not that man be moved by what he sees. Let that man or woman be moved only by what he or she believes. So if a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, we could reverse that and say this. A single-minded man is stable in all his ways. So whether you're double-minded or single-minded will effect what you receive from the Lord. Amen? Now look at Hebrews chapter 11. And notice with me in verse 1 in the Amplified Version. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, says this in verse 1. Now faith, or we could say it this way, now the Word of God. What is it, Pastor? Well, it's the assurance. It's the confirmation. It's the title deed. Amen. Now the Word of God is the assurance. It's the confirmation. Well, how do I know God answered my prayer? You got the Word of God. It's the title deed of things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see. And the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now the word of God is your title deed. Amen. If someone was to give you a lake home in Lake Tahoe, wouldn't that be nice? And say it was on a couple acres and it was lakefront. Maybe worth about two or three dollars. And they were a very, very close friend of yours. And you knew that their word was solid and you knew that their word was good. But you had not yet been to Lake Tahoe to look at your new property. But you've got in your hand the title deed. And someone may come along and say, well, how do you really know that you have this lake home in Lake Tahoe? You can simply pull out the title deed and say, I've got the title deed that says it's mine. I have it now. And it's the same thing true with faith. 
you'll be believing you receive, going along the path of faith, and you've got the Word of God, and you're standing on the Word of God, and someone comes along and says, how do you know that you're healed? How do you know that God meets your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus? How do you know? I mean, how can you possibly know that? You pull out the B-I-B-L-E, and you say, hey, I got the title deed. I've been living in him. He's been living in me. I've been abiding in his word. I've asked what I will, and it's being done unto me. Amen. Amen. Faith is your title deed. Faith is your proof that you are healed. The word of God is your proof that you do have a sound mind. The word of God is your proof that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen to this. Possibility praying always contains within it a spirit of praise. There will always be praise coming out of the mouth of a believer who has believed that they have received. Hallelujah. Praising God before the manifestation is a major key to you receiving the full manifestation of what God's got for you. Look at Philippians, the fourth chapter, and notice with me in verse 6. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying pray according to the word, and then sing some praise, and give thanks, because prayer and praise go together. Praise is a powerful force in the life of a believer. Praise magnifies God above the plans, the plots, and the strategies of the devil. When you praise the Father for who He is, and for what He's done, and for what He's promised to do, what you are doing is you're really expressing your faith in confidence in Him and His Word. Say it with me. Every prayer should always contain the element of praise. Look at Philippians 4 verse 6 in the Amplified Version. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about what? If you want to get your prayer answered, first of all, dump your cares, cast your cares on him. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer, petition, definite requests, with what? With thanksgiving or with praise, continue to make your wants known unto God. So we are to offer our requests with praise and with thanksgiving. Praise stills the enemy. Praise stops the devil in his tracks. You know, we have a biblical account of the power of praise in Second Chronicles chapter 20. How many of you remember the story of Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel? I mean, they prayed and and they sought the Lord and, and the enemy was coming strong against them. But you know, God has always got a plan to defeat the devil. He had given them a plan to go out and defeat Moab and Ammon. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verses 21 through 22, it says, And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of his holiness. 
And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Hallelujah. They were coming against Judah. Did you know that the name Judah in Hebrew is praise? And the enemy will come against you after you've prayed the will of God, after you believe that you have received He'll come against you with thoughts and imaginations and suggestions and everything that hell has to offer. But those that are strong in the Lord and the power of his might do not walk by sight. They walk by faith. And those that are strong in the Lord will give glory to God. Even as Abraham was strong in faith as he gave glory to God. I'm looking at a congregation today, I believe, of Judah. I'm looking at a congregation of praisers. I'm looking at a congregation of people who know how to shut the devil down in his tracks. Amen. Just like they did over in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. When they came out against them, God sent the praisers out first. And as Judas started saying, praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy endureth forever. They marched to the tune, hallelujah, of the high praises of God. The enemy got so confused that they began to slay one another. Oh, hallelujah. And that's exactly what will happen in your life. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. I say to you today that the standard of praise, the standard of worship, cause God to inhabit the praises of his people. He'll become enthroned. He'll sit down in the midst of your circumstances and he'll swallow up the devil as surely as they were drowned in the Red Sea. The enemy comes against you one way, but he will flee before you seven ways. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. But that's not just the end of the story. Not only did they make it through that battle, but they went out and they helped themselves to the spoil that the enemy had left there on the ground. It says this, And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found them in abundance, both riches with the dead bodies, precious jewels, and they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were there three days gathering the spoil, for it was so much. Hallelujah! You go to God, you pray the will of God, you bold and confident in the word of God, you stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and you send up Judah, you send up the high praises of God. Not only will you receive what you prayed for, but glory to God, I believe God will take you into the overflow. He'll take you into the extra zone. He'll take you into the land of more than enough. Hallelujah. Listen, prayer. Plus praise equals more than you can carry away. Come on, everybody. Let's stand up and give God some praise today. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Whoa, Lord, we give you praise. How many of you are believing God for something today? Amen, amen. Well, lift up your hands and say, Lord, I thank you. I am a believer. And I am a receiver. And I believe that I can pray according to the will of God, according to the word of God. And I am confident in this very thing 
that the man from the station, the manifestation is on its way. But I'm not going to wait till the man from the station shows up. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to praise my God. And God will be on the scene. Let God arise.